We'll be in John chapter 7 this afternoon as we come to the scriptures and uh, going to try to take the first 30 verses. It's a, quite a little lengthy passage, but um, I think we can look at that uh, in its context today and get the gist of what is going on here um, this afternoon. And uh, the theme of the message is, My time is not yet full. My time is not yet full. And so we'd like to begin with a reading. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart from here, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that its works are evil. Go ye up unto the feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his disciples were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret, Then the Jews saw him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. However, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now at about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knowest this man, Zlatus, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, The same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a demon. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers, and ye are on the Sabbath day, circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry with me because I have made a man entirely well on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom... They seek to kill, but lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him, 
Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Nevertheless, we know this man from where he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth from where he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know from where I am, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of the word this afternoon. Pray you'll open our hearts and minds to the scriptures, that we may see the things that you have here for us, that your spirit may teach us, and minister to us of the words of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage here, it's um, um, a quite interesting passage. Certainly John is continuing his narrative concerning Christ as the Son of God. And we find that uh, it is a time when Jesus is um, still in Galilee. um, And it seems that uh, as we look at the passage, um, where it begins by saying, after these things after the period of time and the various situations that took place in chapter 5 and 6, now we see Jesus continuing in Galilee rather than in Jerusalem. Uh, Several areas we want to look at here this afternoon. Jesus had unbelieving family members who did not believe in him. Family members who did not believe. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? We all seem to have family members who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Though you believe in the Lord, and though I believe in the Lord, many are not yet persuaded to believe in the Lord. In fact, they may question many things, and they question many things about what Jesus was doing as well. Members of the family, brethren, if you will. My time is not yet full. uh, We also see Jesus saying to his brethren, As um, the time of the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand, and this being a significant feast of the Jewish calendar, that they were to go up to Jerusalem and to observe this time. And yet uh, Jesus says, no, I don't want to go right at this time. My time is not yet fully come. And uh, we'll talk about what that means and uh, why Jesus might have said that at that particular juncture. Uh, But we find later on, of course, in verse 30, he says, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. So the text kind of gives us a hint what he might have been talking about there. Thirdly, Jesus attended the Feast of Tabernacles in secret. He did attend, but he didn't go up when the rest of the brethren went up. And... uh, because of the, he knew the hearts of the people, even his own brethren, and he knew that uh, they perhaps had ulterior motives for his attending the feast with them. Uh, and uh, so we find that uh, many people don't have the same viewpoint of important issues, such as religious issues, as you and I have. And uh, they didn't, uh, as far as Jesus was concerned... Um, there were other, uh, other reasons why um, they wanted Jesus at uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. But it was not the same 
as Jesus and the Father had in view. And we need to talk about that a little. And then fourthly, if any man will to know his will, he shall know it. That is, to know the doctrine of God, the true doctrine of God, the Father. And at this time, of course, Jesus was seeking to fulfill the true doctrine and teaching of God the Father, that the Messiah might be known, the Son of God might be revealed in his fullness. And so we uh, recognize that Jesus was all about doing the Father's will. Well, having said that, and uh, that brief introduction, let's go to um, the text at this time. And he begins by saying this in chapter 7 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, first of all, we do know that there was much opposition in relationship to Jesus as being um, a leader and uh, as being called the Messiah or the Christ. And uh, the Jews, of course, Judea represents here Jerusalem or that part of the world, part of the city uh, proper, which had to do with the religious rulers of the day. Um, And we know that that primarily was held at Jerusalem. That's where the temple was, and that's where a great deal of activity went on as far as the Jewish people was concerned. And so Jesus was kind of avoiding that particular area. He was off into the area of Galilee, and if you remember the Sea of Gennesareth or Galilee, uh, at the top portion of the Sea of Galilee, somewhat near the entrance to the River Jordan into the sea, off to the... I guess we would call it the left of it. If you're looking at the map, you would see there where the place uh, indication of Galilee is. So that region or that quarter was um, near Nazareth where Jesus uh, grew up as a young child, as uh, the son of Joseph and Mary. And and so he was uh, active in that particular area, the miracle at Cana took place in that area as well as other miracles that were done and uh, Jesus was uh, more readily received in that area and so he was there ministering to people and uh, and so we find that uh, he avoided uh, Jerusalem at this particular juncture um, it says in John chapter 5 and verse 8 therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. That's John 5, 18. Now, uh, when did that particular um, uh, circumstance take place? Well, you may remember when he healed the paralytic guy at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, That's when they became really upset with Jesus that he healed on the Sabbath day. Uh, Later on he mentions here in the text that the Jews were willing to circumcise on the Sabbath day. They were to to do that little bit of work which they they believed was according to the law that they should keep. Uh, But when it came to doing something to make a person completely whole they complained against Christ. Why? Because, as it says in the text here, they did not do righteous judgment. 
They were not willing to, to perform righteous judgment. Uh, and so they were willing to condemn Christ for doing good, but they themselves could do good and it was okay. Uh, so here it is, the double standard or the hypocrisy, uh, which sometimes takes place by keeping the law, by believing that righteousness is made possible through the law. And so what did they seek to do? They sought to kill Jesus. Well, here is another violation. Um, Thou shalt not murder. And yet they were willing to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. They were willing to murder him if necessary to get rid of him. And so here it is, again, the hypocrisy of those who would keep the law to be righteous. And Jesus uh, realized that people, what was in the hearts of people, he realized that uh, they were uh, very much uh, uh, not righteous and then righteous according to the word of God. They were only self-righteous and uh, that they did not believe that he was truly the Christ. Therefore, the Jews sought to kill him. Um, as we continue in the text here, in verse 2, we see that it says, um, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Um, the feast of tabernacles may be called the feast of tents or booths. It might be called the feast of harvest or the feast of ingatherings. There was a several names that it went by, but basically it, uh, rep- it rep- represented or celebrated or remembered the, t- the wilderness period when they were traveling in the wilderness and they were living in, well, we would say, temporary dwelling. And so at the Feast of Tabernacles, um, this was uh, sometime in September, Tishrai, and I guess in the, about the middle of September, something like that, and they would... Um, they would have this seven or eight day period where they gave, made sacrifices, where they built these little booths out of um, various branches, and sometimes perhaps they built them on the top of their flat roof houses or maybe uh, right next to the house or something, and uh, that they celebrated uh, this period of time called uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating the Jewish uh, wanderings in the wilderness. And God's provision... And not only that, uh, it also represented the sense that they, they were coming out of the wilderness into the promised land, into the joyous blessing of the land that God promised to them. So there's many different aspects to their celebration of it. And so this was that Feast of Tabernacles, and it was at hand. And so it is that his brethren, this takes us to the second point here this afternoon, um, well, actually the first and second. He says, Jesus had unbelieving family. Um, and then he says, my time is not yet. Well, his brethren, therefore, in verse 3, said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. Well, um, the, the problem here is, it sounds on the surface, it sounds like they just wanted him to go up to Jerusalem with them. But uh, when in, in reality we find that the brethren were, his brethren, his family, 
was not believing. They were not altogether believing that he was who he said he was. And so in verse 4, For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Well, verse 5 indicates to us that they didn't believe in him, so they weren't really saying these things for the purpose that he should be recognized as the Christ. They probably was doing these things in a more selfish, selfish motive than it is immediately appears. And it may be even there was a sense of derision in what they were saying. Uh, if you're really, if you're really who you say you are, if you have really done the miracles you claim to have done, if you are really the Christ, go up to Jerusalem. Go up to the Feast of Tabernacles now. Do these great miracles that you said you have done. Do these things and show yourself to the world. What person who doesn't want to be recognized doesn't go and make themselves known and make themselves popular? Well, see, this is really the, this is the kind of the philosophy of the world, isn't it? Uh, if, the, if you have to be self-promoting, you know, and of course they, there's all kinds of seminars today, you know, that are self-promoting type seminars to make oneself more, more popular and uh, more confident and um, more successful and uh, to really to put themselves out there and, and build up their career uh, type of thing. Well, you see, his, uh, his brethren were not really sold on the fact that he was who he claimed to be. There was, perhaps there was also some sense of jealousy. And we know how jealousy can be in families, between um, brethren and family, between family members. Uh, this is not unheard of in any sense of the word. And so we find that there was many other motivating factors that probably was behind what they were seeking to, uh, to do here. In verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is already always ready. My time is not yet come. The, the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that its works are evil. Go ye up unto the feast. I go not up unto the feast, for my time is not yet fully come. Um, and, and it's not yet full, in other words. So J Jesus uh, made his case to them. Now what does he mean here to them that uh, their time was always, always ready? Well, if a person is unbelieving, then they're not under the same scrutiny as someone who claims uh, to be the Christ and the Messiah. Let's face it, this was a pretty important uh, character of the Old Testament that was to come. A very important prophecy that was to be fulfilled. And for someone to come and to say it, it was tantamount to really uh, sacrilege and blasphemy if one couldn't prove their true um, identity as being the Christ, the Son of God. And so Jesus was up against the, uh, the scrutiny of uh, public opinion. And more importantly, the uh, public opinion that really counted was the public opinion of the religious rulers, which basically was the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, if you will, those who ran the religious uh, program of the day. And, uh, and so we find here that Jesus tells his brethren, he says, my time is not yet come, 
But your time is always ready. He says, you can go up to Jerusalem anytime you want to. There's no problem with you going. You can go up and you should go up, basically, because, um, well, it is the Feast of Tabernacles and all the, all the Jews were meant to be there. That It is something they were to keep according to the law. They were to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the Feast of Harvest or in gatherings, and uh, they were to, to, to do that. And uh, Jesus uh, was reluctant to go with them um, for the obvious reasons that we've already looked at here in the beginning of the text. Um, and so it is that uh, Jesus was, uh, was, was decided to reserve, be in reserve at this time and not go up immediately. And so after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. He continued. It is figured that perhaps there was about a six-month interval between um, the end of chapter 6 and chapter 7 and the various uh, time frame that might be involved here for the Feast of Tabernacles to come about and so forth. There might be a period of about six months. In other words, these, uh, these chapters leave some a little bit of gap in time uh, for different things to take place. And Jesus was in Jerusalem now perhaps for about that period of time and he continued in Jerusalem and uh, his brother and though would go up to the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus would delay a few days. And it is figured that perhaps he delayed maybe four days, since it was a kind of an eight-day celebration. Um, so he would go about midpoint. He wouldn't go up immediately at the beginning. When all of the crowd was coming in and, uh, and scurrying about and being very active and looking at everything and watching for things to happen, the Jewish people, meaning the Jewish rulers, were watching for Jesus to come. Remember, they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to kill him. And then uh, his own brother and uh, his notoriety had begun to spread more and more to the many miracles which he has doing. So here he is now. He says, I'll wait a few days if you don't mind. I'll go up in secret. In other words, I'll go up at a later time. <clears throat> and so uh, in verse 8, Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up unto this feast, for my time is not yet full. When he had said these things unto them, he abode still in Galilee. So here he is. He's still in Galilee. They've gone up to Jerusalem. There's about a four-day span here. Verse 10. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. So he came, and he came privately. In other words, he didn't come with an entourage. He didn't go up with his well-known brethren. He went with uh, just uh, himself. And maybe his disciples had followed behind him. It doesn't say his disciples weren't there with him. But the important thing is he didn't go up with his family. Uh, and he didn't go at the beginning of the feast, when there would have been the most activity going on. He waited to about the middle of the feast when things had begun to quiet down somewhat. And, and uh, he says so, but as it were, in secret, verse 11, Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? See, they were, they were looking for him. And, and everybody was looking for him. That is, the crowds, the multitude. Remember, they had, they had heard of the feeding of the 5,000. They had heard of the miracle of the paralytic man being healed at Bethesda. They had, uh, they had heard of um, 
the, the, uh, the nobleman who came and his son was healed and he went back uh, to his town and his son was, was all healed and, and good. They knew of the wedding feast at Galilee. I mean, they knew of all these things. And so, yes, he, his notoriety had begun to spread. And uh, so uh, they said, where is he? Where is he? In verse 12, And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. Uh, well, we know that the, the gossip, you know, doesn't take long for gossip to go through the crowd. Yes. Especially, you know, when, when there are people there who are looking for someone and they begin to question and criticize and, and say this and that about the person or individual. So Jesus attended the Feast of Tabernacles in a more private way because he didn't want to rise, uh, stir up too much attention uh, to himself. But people were talking. People were there listening. And, and wanting to see the Lord. In verse 13, however, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now here is the sense of the multitude. You know, there is this, there is this one crowd who was looking for him. They are the officers and the religious rulers and the Sanhedrins and the scribes and the Pharisees and, you know, all those people were looking for him, keeping an eye out, right? But then it says no man spoke of him openly. In other words, you know, the multitude was, the mixed multitude always has a different viewpoint of things that is going on. But those who are somehow threatened by someone, their, their, their opposition is much more public, right? So the, the religious rulers had a more public opposition. The, the multitude of people, they were perhaps curious and they was questioning. Uh, they, uh, they didn't go about saying too much unless it was like to one another. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you kind of whispering, you might say, well, have you seen Jesus yet? We're looking for him to come to the temple sometime during the Feast of Tabernacles. But you know how it is. He's, he just somehow appears and then he disappears again. Uh, but the religious rulers, they, they, were, they were hunting him, hunting him down. Well, remember that all of this meant one thing for Jesus. It meant persecution. And the other thing that we can take from this by way of application is that when Jesus was about trying to do the Father's business, trying to serve the Heavenly Father and to do His will, in other words, trying to do ministry, seeking to do ministry, um, ministry always has the sense of, of opposition to it. There's a... People like to oppose things that they don't believe in. And, um, you know, we, what, what do we see in opposition to the ministry of the church? Um, we see diversity flags flying everywhere now. You never saw them before. We see uh, the various kinds of, of things that are going on in the culture that are against what has consistently been preached on in the word of God as being sin. Uh, they, they call it something else now. They don't call it sin anymore. And they don't want us to call it sin. In other words, the message that we have as Christians is, 
is in opposition to the message of the world because the, the culture of the world keeps changing all the time and the trends in the world and uh, those things that make one popular in the world keeps changing. Well, here was Jesus. He's in his own country. Uh, the religious uh, rulers of the day were against him. The crowd were questioning. They were curious. They were wondering. They say, well, is, is he truly the Christ? His own disciples called him the Christ and believed he was the Christ, but yet at the same time, they, some of them doubted at certain periods and they wondered at, at him, but yet uh, they, they stayed close to him and they followed him. And so wherever there is a, a need for ministry and message, you're going to find some opposition. Uh, even as Christians today, we're going to find that. And we may find it growing more and more as we get into uh, the cultural change that's going on around us. And it's not just um, a, a small local area any longer. We know that the cultural change is taking place worldwide, globally. And so the intensity of that persecution may rise more and more against Christians in our own day because of that. Just as the intensity of persecution was beginning to rise against Christ in his day. Because he was calling himself the Son of God. He was calling himself the Christ, the Anointed One. He is calling himself the Savior of the world. And these implications were too strong for the religious rulers to, to bear. The cultural elite of the day did not like it. The cultural elite of our day does not like that we continue to preach the same message of Christ and of redemption, of sin and salvation, of judgment and hell. They don't, they don't like it. Okay, so, so we have Jesus going up to the tabernacle in a private way on about the fourth day. He goes up to the tabernacle. Um, verse 14. Now, at about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. He did go. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters? having never learned. How come he's so smart? How come he knows the word of God? How come he knows the law? How come he knows the things that he knows? He's speaking like one of in authority. He's speaking like those who are of the scribes and Pharisees. He's speaking like a man of God. He says, how come they, he knows these things? He, he's, never been, he's never been to the, room or the, the school of the rabbis. He's, he's never sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He's, he's never gone to the Sanhedrin and gotten permission to go and speak these things. How does he know? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. See, here, here it is. Here is a, his authority is the word of God. His authority is God's word. And God himself gave him the authority to speak these things. Here's a very important thing that you ought to remember. God has given you the authority to speak the things of the Word of God. Because you are a child of God. You are, you are children of God. You are part of the saved brethren. God has given you the authority to speak the things. You do not need to go to college to speak the truth of the Word of God. You do not need to be learned according to the, the teaching of the doctrine of the world in order to speak the gospel of Christ. 
or to talk about eternal realities or to talk about the word of God and be and speak of the authoritative nature of the scripture you do not need that you only need to know that God has taught you these things from his word and that's what Jesus was, was telling them he says God the Father has taught me these things then they are not things of myself. They are things that God the Father has taught me. If any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God. God is, God is going to give you that true sense of the Word of God if you will humble yourself before God. What's this come down to? It's called the Old Testament view of the doctrine of the fear of the Lord. And, of course, the whole book of Proverbs goes into wonderfully how that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And with the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's where the, the, the true knowledge comes from, you see. And so if any man will to do his will, to know his will, uh, he can know it. Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And so we find that uh, he was encouraging them to listen to what he was saying from the Word of God. You know, isn't that what we do? We encourage people to listen to the Word of God. You're not going to convince anybody by the things you say. You know, we, we, we must tell them what the Scripture has to say. Yeah, you must believe it passionately. You must believe it with some amount of true enthusiasm and persuasion. But it must be the Word of God that we tell them. Verse 18, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. He goes on to explain here the reason why, the reason why that one is recognized for speaking the word of God. If they speak to their own glory, then okay, you can just, you can shut, you can turn, tune them out if you would. Because you, you just recognize that immediately that they're speaking for their own glory. Jesus did not go up to Jerusalem to speak for his own glory, but to do the will of the Father. In humility, Jesus came into this world. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. He was the suffering servant. And so we find that um, he, did, he came as one who was truly to do the will of God. In verse 19, did not Moses give you the law? And none of you keepeth the law. Oh, see, here is another reason why they hated him, of course. He was very willing to point out their sins. He was very willing to say to them, you know what? You are doing wrong. You are not keeping the law that God gave. You claim to be law keepers, and yet you do not keep the law. They, they did circumcision on, on the Sabbath day, thinking they was keeping the law. They went about to kill Jesus, and they didn't call it a desire to murder. They thought they was doing God a service. You know, there, there may come a day when, or there has been already, there has been times when religious people thought they were doing God a service, and they went about to kill Christians, and they did kill them. And they did persecute them. This has gone on for a long time. In Africa, even today, Nigeria and Sudan and, and many of the countries in, 
in Africa today, Christians are being murdered all the time. They think they are doing Allah a great service by killing Christians. It is their holy jihad to do so. Do not be surprised if you suffer persecutions for Christ's sake. Peter's telling us that, right? Okay, verse 20, the people answered and said, Thou hast a demon who goes about to kill thee. He says, you, you must be crazy or something. Who's going about to kill you? They knew very well who was going about to kill him. <laughs> they were going about to kill him. And who, and who is it to say in these things? Well, of course, it is the religious rulers. He was talking very publicly in the temple at this point and teaching, and they were amazed at what he was saying, and yet they stood there and defended what they were doing, and they called him a demon, and they didn't call themselves murderers, but that's what they were seeking to do. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and all, and you all marvel. This verse goes back to the pool at Bethesda when he was healing the paralytic man in John 5.18. This goes back there, because that's where he, he called himself God, and he, he made himself equal with God the Father. And, of course, that just enraged the religious rulers. And uh, it goes back to, the, to that. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, one work that you saw, and you all marvel at it. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And he's talking about um, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It came through them as God instituted the, the sign of the covenant. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If any man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry with me? Because... I made a man whole, entirely whole, on the Sabbath day. See, let's, let's, look at, let's look at the comparison here. You, do say, you say you're doing something good by circumcising a baby on the Sabbath day, and I made somebody whole, and you condemn me for it. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Of course, here is where many people are let down, isn't it? That they do not judge righteous judgment. They judge according to their version of the law. This is why the Muslim jihadist does what he does. He judges according to the version of his own law. And he goes about to kill others who do not believe the same thing that he believes. This is the same thing that um, many religions of the world do and condemn others based upon their own selves. And here in verse 25, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? Well, the multitude again. They, they, the, the ones in the multitude kind of know what the real scoop is, don't they? Uh, the religious rulers here were propping up their own uh, selves by saying, We do it because of this or that or the other thing. We have a right. We have the authority. We are the leaders and you are not. The multitude looks at it and says, ah, something's a little wrong here. They call themselves righteous, but then they go about to kill people. And, they, and of course, the religious rules would do it just as quick to them as they would do it to Jesus if they thought they could do it and get away with it. They didn't like John the Baptist either, remember. And the only reason they didn't kill him was because 
they didn't want to incite the mob to riot against them because the multitude liked John and believed that he was who he said he was. In verse 26, But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? You see, again, this is what the multitude is saying. The multitude, uh, again, is saying, well, look at these religious rulers. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Well, if that is true, then what great sin have they committed? A very great sin. To destroy the very one that was promised to come of the Old Testament? I mean, this is truly a great sin. Indeed, if they knew. Nevertheless, we know this man from where he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth from where he is. Well, verse 27 indicates to us that the religious rulers didn't know very much at all. Because they should have known that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. They should have known that he would come as he was promised to come. They should have known of his being anointed of God and that he would be revealed through great miracles and through the scriptures, through divine announcement. There were many great witnesses of the Christ in his coming, but they didn't seem to recognize any of it. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, Ye both know me, and ye know from where I am, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. And we're reminded here that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the, ch- the children of God. But his own people, the religious rulers of the day, did not know him, did not receive him. But they should have known him. And they denied him. And they were the ones who were in violation and in rebellion against God. Verse 29, But I know him, for I am from him. Jesus gives true testimony now to, to his own identity as being the Son of God. And he has sent me... Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet full. They could not lay hands on him. Jesus did not go up to the feast at that time, because he did not want to make a public spectacle of himself as being the Christ, the Son of God. He went up four days later, and he taught in the temple. And he, he gave them words that they did not understand fully. But he gave testimony of himself as being the Son of God and that he came forth from the Father and that he would reveal himself when the time was right. You know, there will be persecution. And, the, and there always is against Christians. There always, there's always persecution against believers. And we may also suffer some persecution. Do not be too willing to run up to Jerusalem and stand in the crowd for somebody to throw a rock at you. When the time is right, God will let you know when you should stand up and be counted for him. Jesus was the light of the world. And he did not rush into the crowd. He went when he knew the Father was was willing for him to do it. 
Be a faithful servant where you are. Give your testimony for Christ when you can. Be the salt and light that you need to be. And allow God to work out in you when you should speak out and say what you need to say. Or stand for per- in, in the midst of persecution. And that is the wisdom of the word of God. And not of man. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for your word this afternoon. I ask that you would bless your word to our hearts. That we might be fully prepared for all that you have for us in the future. And that we might reside under your protecting grace. And your mercies. That we may continue long-sufferingly. Even as you are long-suffering to us would. And not willing that any should perish. In Jesus' name, amen.